0: One of us has been in a baseball ballpark recently, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure he had every reason to break out the suntan lotion and drink a cold beer and uh, maybe seek some shade because I'm sure it was a little temperate in uh, Target Field during your last visit, Lavelle.
1: Yeah, I mean we were we were packed in that press box so much that uh, it was just natural body heat. So yeah, it was a little <laughs> warm. I actually had to go outside to cool off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, that meant I stood outside for all of six seconds before I had retreated back into uh, warmer areas. So uh, sunglasses, no. Um, I was wondering if uh, Stu Thornley was going to open up the window because he likes to do that. But, no, he didn't do it for this event either. But, yeah, Target Field was a hockey rink for one night, and it was quite a spectacle, other than the score, which stunk, because the local team lost 6-4. to four, But everything else about it was a smash hit. Uh, the presentation was great. The number of dignitaries was awesome. Uh, and it's really neat that Tony Oliva got the loudest ovation of the of the game during uh, pregame introductions of all the people who were there. Um, you know, because he just got voted into the Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee. And people really responded to that. And I thought it was pretty neat at a hockey game for a guy from Cuba to get a, a huge ovation. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's great. And Roy, you know Tony better than any of us, uh, and we've talked about it before. But just to reiterate, what what do you think this has meant for Tony? I
2: I don't know for sure. I haven't talked with uh, Tony about it yet, uh, but I I I think it means the world to him. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I I think you, Tony always has always believed in in his heart. That he's a Hall of Fame player. He looks around at players that are in the Hall of Fame, and and he knows he was better than as as good, clearly, or better than uh, than guys that are in there. And it's it's just been such a long way for him to get validated. I, I think it I think it means the world to him. He's such a humble guy. Um, he has um, a, a a you can't even call it a quiet confidence, whatever's, whatever's more quiet than quiet. He's, he, he knows what he did. He knows who he is. He know he knows how good a player he was. And he just has gone through his life with a smile on his face and, and not complaining about anything. And, and uh, most of all, not complaining about, you know, th- th- how personally I think he, he uh, took not, has uh, taken not, not being in there and how much he, it would mean to him. And, That's just. There are an awful lot of reasons uh, beyond just the fact that he deserves it because of what he did on the field. There's an awful lot of reasons why this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that he's in the Hall of Fame, and and one of the top of those at my list is how much I know it means to him, and that makes my heart very happy.
0: And as Lavelle said, what great timing, too, that we could actually celebrate that and he'd get a Minnesota, a very large Minnesota crowd cheering for him during the winter at Target Field. That's fairly unique. Uh, hey, this this is the Chin Music Show. This is part of TalkNorth.com. You've already heard from Roy Smalley, former twin star. Turn Twins broadcaster. You've already heard from Lavelle Emil the III. Longtime Twins beat writer. Now a Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan. I also work for the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Karen Cleary is our sales executive. Thank you to everyone who's listened to this show and listened to TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can always find the shows and the archives at TalkNorth.com. Tons of great sports content. Tons of great outdoor content. Some variety shows. Some new shows. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See the shows as they are released. Also to see our live show dates. We do plan on having a live show at Pizza Luce. If, if, COVID, uh, if COVID allows, we plan to do a live show at Pizza Luce. We'll get to the date to, to you that, uh, on that very soon here. And uh, and thanks to our sponsors, 11 Wells Distillery, Memorial Blood Centers, Minnesota Propane, Better Edge, and, of course, Pizza Luce. Uh, Lavelle, I I do follow you on social media, and I did see a reference the other day, and I think this is a Bears reference because we know what state you're from. (laughs) Did you really put a hole in Allery's bar? Oh, you saw that. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs)
1: Um, I I cannot tell a lie. Um, When uh, Cody Parkey hit that famous double-doink field goal, uh, I was pretty uh, despondent after the game, and it actually happened like 20 minutes after I was still just, I just couldn't believe that this dude couldn't hit like a routine field goal. And I did, I threw what I thought was just a little like love tap, you know, up against the wall. And my fist just went right through, <laughs> through the wall. Um, uh, and I had to immediately alert the uh, manager and tell him, if you want me to leave, I'll just leave. and so, no, don't worry about it. And they, uh, they just found a poster and, Over, over the hole that I left in the wall, and (laughs) it was there for about a year and a half. I think just like three or four months ago, they finally got around to filling in the hole and and repairing it. So
2: it was 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 a shot. It was a shot, shake, redemption moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it did happen. I was pretty upset. I thought that the Bears were a better team that day, and and they were in position to win. It was pretty frustrating, but. If you saw why I did that, because um, there was a tweet that had the replay of Lance Briggs, um, Matt Forte, and um, Alex Brown watching the Cody Parkey field goal miss. And they were just as despondent as I was. So, Nate, they they are former NFL players who should show more composure. But they were acting just like I did. So, I happened to... uh, make that remark about yeah there was a hole in the allergies that was just recently repaired that did happen and i did do that
0: roy i'm sensing a couple of really humble brags there number (laughs) one is hey it was a love tap but i actually put a hole in the wall of a bar in other words lavelle is telling us he's a very strong man uh the other humble brag is he's just like (laughs) nfl players
2: (laughs) yeah i heard both of those and and you started out uh by saying uh you know we know what state lavelle's from uh, the problem is we, we're never quite sure what state he's in.
0: That's a good point. Oh wow! That is a very good point. <laughs> he's from Illinois, but he is currently orbiting uh, the world of Le- the the world that Lavelle inhabits alone.
1: <laughs> Why? Well, 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 he, he was in an angry wall. state
0: at, at, at that at that point.
1: Roy's so. had to punch a wall sometime in his in his playing career. It had to happen at least once.
2: And well, we, I, I, man, I, I to manage managed to. Yeah, I if I if I if I ever did, I uh, I managed to uh, do it in such a way as to not cost myself any time uh, from from the game. So that's uh, that's a, that's a good thing. I uh, I have I have uh, done more damage to uh, Gatorade containers and water coolers and the like
0: than I ever did to myself. And that's the way to do it, though, right? Don't don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt. I your don't team. know why you. I don't Eat know something why soft. You hurt yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes it makes no sense when there's there's a perfectly good Gatorade cooler that's just sitting right there waiting for it.
0: And that's what sports writers are for. You know, we're soft.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be our fault anyway. When you strike out, damn right it is. <laughs> well,
0: It's not right. your fault.
1: It's not your fault. Just don't ask us about it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why are pitchers still punching laws and breaking hands? Didn't the pitcher for the Brewers do that this year? Yeah, just Trevor Lavelle.
2: Williams. Lavelle. Yeah. It's because they're pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs> uh, that, that's a very good point, Roy. what well, there is a theory out there that the farther you are removed from the action, the more likely you are to overreact emotionally. Uh, who do you think's more emotional about a tough loss, the fan? The hyper fan or the intense player?
2: Oh, I think the um, I think the hyper fan is more emotional about it. Um, the uh, intense player has uh, is used to a long history of things grinding on him inside, and and uh, I think that there's some. I mean, Lavelle just uh, kind of uh, alluded to it a second ago when he was talking about the Bears, play, the former Bears players that were you know, demonstrably upset and think, and Lavelle thinks that they, you know, should have had more self-control. Most of the time, I think even the intense players in a, a you know, baseball players, for example, I've never seen anybody. Um, I, I've heard a lot of uh, bad language. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, guys having as a subject matter, something that really made them mad about it, you know, about their former team losing a game. But, you know, I, I I don't hear a lot of, you know, really big time emotion like I hear from the hyper fan.
0: I, I agree with you. I, and I, I what I've always told people is sometimes, you know, what Lavelle and I hear from fans is, God, you know, these guys lose. They just blow it off or they shake hands after the game. They look happy after the game, even after a loss. I'm like, you know, first of all, you guys are used. You've been competing your entire lives. You've, you've played in. Thousands, if not tens of thousands of games, you understand that losing is possibility and it's a job. You know, it doesn't do you any good to beat yourself up. You're not you need to be able to turn the page.
2: I think everybody can understand. I mean, I think anybody in any walk of life uh, will uh, acknowledge that the best way to be successful is to have a uh tremendously positive attitude about, about what you're doing and, be, and have fun and be happy with what you're doing. And if you dwell uh, in baseball, when you're playing virtually every single day, um, 162 games in 180 days, basically. And uh, a lot of those days off are you know, have to do with travel and different things. You're playing virtually, your career is happening every, every single day. It, you really can't afford the luxury of uh, of feeling too down. I mean, you just can't. You got to you got to got to beat somebody tomorrow or in the tw- the twilight doubleheader or sometime very soon. And as much as I know, fans would like to see guys hang their heads and and you know say, "Boy, we just suck," and this is terrible. I can't stand that we played this badly, or I struck out with a base loader. Or, you know, I, it, you'd like to see players be more uh, demonstrably upset at losing at losing games or uh at underperforming man you cannot you cannot play this game a very smart uh, uh philosopher who <laughs> you know once said i've always I, I, i've tried to i've tried to remember this try to teach this to my to my kids i mean you're your your psyche is like a uh is like a garden and you got to make sure you got you, you got really beautiful plants and things to, to plant it in there. And if there's any weeds again in there, rip them out. Just you know, rip those things out because if you don't, your psyche will uh, turn into a to a weeded mess. And that and I'm sorry about the, you know, the tortured analogy, but it, it really is true. If you go to sleep, you know, you know, beating yourself up, and you get up the next day beating yourself up, and and that's your normal behavior. And then you go out and, and then you try to say, Oh, Hey, okay, let's go win this game. I feel good now. I mean, it ain't going to happen. And, and so I, I, I think people will understand that in their various walks of life. They just, they uh, about themselves, but they, they have a, they have a little bit more uh, of a hard time uh, acknowledging that the players have to be that way on a daily basis.
0: And I think that's one of the reasons People like Lavelle, obviously you love baseball, Roy, but that's why I think people like Lavelle and myself love baseball, is you show up at the ballpark and every day is a fresh start, even in a bad season. You know, you still the team still has a reasonable chance of winning that night, and somebody's going to get two or three hits. Somebody's going to make a nice play, and it, it feels much more – to me, baseball feels much closer to real life the, the process we all go through every day where everybody deals with problems, but you try to have a good attitude. It feels so much more like real life than any other sport. It's
1: probably because it's, it's a, something that's every day and like yeah. life is every day, you know, so you you have to have kind of a consistent outlook on a day-to-day basis in order to, you know, produce uh, in, in regular life, just like you do in baseball, you do have to write out some down moments and you do have to bounce back. And you also have to stay sharp. You also have to, um, be a good teammate, like you're a good brother or a good sister, you know, or a good neighbor, you know. So, um, there are similarities because of the everyday nature that baseball is. All right, enough of the philosophical
2: just to kind of yeah. finish up on that, if I if you don't mind, I mean, there's yeah. there's a line that's that you know that a player can can uh and some do cross. I mean, if you're laughing immediately after losing the tough game it says to me that you didn't really care that much about winning yep. in the first place. So, you know, laughing and, and shaking hands with the other team, that's, that's different. That's different than, uh, than showing the world that you're beating yourself up cause you lost. I mean, you can grind on, yeah. I mean, your stomach hurts. You lose a ball game. I mean, you really don't, you hate losing and, and you don't want to, you don't want to do that, but you know, then you get in the clubhouse and you, and you know, you, you, you take a shower and go home and and you got to you got to forget about it then you say okay uh, you learn from it you say okay i did this today i really wish i hadn't you know or we did this and we need to clean that up but you know you you, can't, you just you can't you can't beat yourself up you can't, especially, especially you can't you can't you you must hate hate losing enough not to be able to laugh after the game but but it, it can't last very long
1: what I've learned, too, the players who have families, they know they have to shut it off by the time they walk through that door because they had kids waiting for them, you know. I remember Mike Redmond told this hilarious story. They had just lost – they had some losing streak to the Detroit Tigers. You know, and Redmond said they were all – he's pissed off after the game. He's driving home, and his kids are in the car with him. They're like, Dad, you, you always say that you let us in the clubhouse uh, after, we, after the Twins win a game. Well, that means we haven't been in the clubhouse for one (laughs) 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 His other son was like, wow, Dad, the Tigers are really, really good. And and Reb was like, no, that's pressure. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) are do from your kids. He said, that is pressure.
0: (laughs) That's good stuff. I do have an actual baseball topic I want to bring up. A couple, in fact. Let's get to those. First, though, we want to thank... Memorial Blood Centers, doing
1: great, important work. Ever know someone who's needed blood? What about someone who's needed blood once, twice, or even three times a month? For hospital patients who need regular blood transfusions, like some with sickle cell disease, having a blood donor who has similar blood characteristics is critical. That's why we need your generous folks from our local Black community to step up and give blood with Memorial Blood Centers. Learn more or schedule an appointment by calling one 888 448-3253 448-3253 or by visiting the website mbc.org that's mbc.org
0: also want to thank 11 wells distillery over in st paul great place to pre-game and post-game uh, for wild games or st thomas games anything else going on on the east
1: side jim you know that an old-fashioned at 11 wells is just ten dollars that is wow. a bargain by today's by today's Stained.
0: standards, that's like two-thirds of I mean, that. That's two-thirds of a downtown Minneapolis price for old-fashioned. Yeah, that's an
2: old-fashioned good. price. That's right.
0: Yeah,
1: there Very you good. Go. As a choice of whiskey, uh, your choice of whiskey could be rye bourbon, wheat, single malt, that outstanding Minnesota 13, aged or unaged, uh, to mix in with your old-fashioned. It's absolutely a delicious drink, and it's actually a great bargain. So 11 Wells Dist- uh, Distillery, located just east of downtown St. Paul, it's a must stop if you are in that area on a Thursday night, Friday night, or Saturday night. And you might run into Lavelle. Absolutely.
0: Thanks also to Minnesota Propane. Yes, you can still grill. Put on your layers. Go out and grill. Hi, I'm Laura Shera, and did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat to your home. Why buy two heating systems when one propane furnace can do it all? It lasts longer, works better, and it costs less. These things and more are done with Propane Today. The right energy right now. And thank you to Better Edge. If you're going to play sports bets these days, we recommend Better Edge.
1: Combine your love for competition, social and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its betters. Better Edge is a brand-new locally-based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders, and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me, my username is Sunny Everett, on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code C-H-I-N for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting BetterEdge.com. That's B E T. T-O-R-Edge.com.
0: All right, let's get to it. Uh, Lavelle mentioned this when we were off air. The question, is Joe Nathan a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate? Is he somebody uh, who should be in? Is he somebody you would vote for?
1: Uh, let's start with Lavelle on this one. Well, I fill out my ballot, and while I, I'm not a big fan of divulging my my choices before the announcement, I think that should be uh, the day that the Hall of Fame has its day in the sun. Uh, I really just get disappointed people who – run to Twitter with pictures of their ballots. But I did vote for Nathan. Uh, I think uh, the, totality, the totality of his work, I mean, he ended up with 377 career saves. But um, the six years that he was closing for the Twins, it, it may have just been him and Allen Rivera and maybe Billy Wagner in terms of just dominating opponents. There was a six-year stretch in which Nathan saved 246 games. He posted a 1.87 ERA. He struck off 518 batters on 418 innings. And um, and all the other numbers were just superlative. Um, living, just limiting base runners. Opponents batting average was like one something. It was just uh, it was just a dominant run. And the fact that Nathan had reconstructive shoulder surgery when he was with the Giants, didn't have reconstructive elbow surgery with the twins, came back you know, had a blip, uh, a blip there for a year and then went to Texas and began lighting it up again and finishing, you know, his career with a, uh, several more 30 save seasons. I just think that um, he was one of the best relievers that that has played this game and should, has deserved um, some recognition and, and support to be a Hall of Famer.
2: What do you think, Roy? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I I always come back to, and Lavelle knows all the statistics, and, you know, listening to those, it, it, you know, it, it makes my position even, even stronger in my mind. But, yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to watch him uh, here every, every day as uh, the two of you were. And, and there wasn't any, I mean, it was Mariano Rivera, obviously, and, you know, you, the old saying, there's Mariano Rivera and everybody else is in second place. I would say it would it, you know during Nathan's time it was Mariano Rivera and, and then Nathan was in second and then there was everybody else. I mean Joe Nathan was the dominant player at his position um, in in his era. There, I mean I don't I, I just don't think there's any disputing that he was he was uh, you know I mean let's just separate Mariano Rivera and just say okay how about everybody else? There wasn't there wasn't anybody touching uh, Joe Nathan. So yeah I mean I. I, I think he's a. I think he's a Hall of Famer.
1: Well, Billy Wagner's getting. He got support last year on the ballot, and I'm sitting here going, "If you vote for Billy Wagner, you can vote for Nathan." And Wagner had more saves. He had 422 career saves. Nathan's other numbers were, were better than Wagner's in terms of you know, like ERA and and limiting base runners. Um, uh, and six years, Nathan had a 1.8 ERA. I mean, that's sick for that spot because every now and then a closer gives it up. And and puts his ERA in the twos or threes. And that wasn't the case with Joe. And uh, when he had that 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 sinker going and that that uh, breaking ball, his going, he was unhittable.
2: He was unhittable. And, and and there was a reason for it. He had great stuff. And um, he he you know he didn't walk people very very much at, at all. There were times in his career when he got kind of like uh, he he got kind of like six pack there in Baltimore. You know, that, uh, Don Stanhouse for. Uh, he, uh, for uh, Earl Weaver, where where things got things would get a little tight, uh, he'd he'd allow a, he'd, he'd walk somebody and allow a base hit or something, and things would get tight, and then he'd he'd strike he'd, he'd go out to strike out the side. I mean, he just didn't he just didn't give it up. And I, Lavelle, do you have the
1: um, do you have a save percentage numbers? Save percentage not <coughs> on me right now. I'd have to go to another website. Yeah,
2: it doesn't matter. I just my impression my 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 impression is that. His save percentage numbers over the um, course of his dominance uh, was,
1: was, was had to be pretty outstanding. And Jim was there, I believe, it was a game in Kansas City early in Nathan's first year with the Twins, where I think he'd end up with a base loader situation, and he pitched his way out of it. And it was like after that, he was like a force for the rest of the season. You remember that game, Jim?
0: Yeah, and let's let's go through the full history here. He was a you know he was a part-time starter. He was a shortstop in college. Uh, of course uh, he was. Sa- Sa- yeah, exactly. San Francisco Giants uh turn him into a starting pitcher. He ends up kind of dabbling between going back and forth between starting and relieving. He was a reliever at the time the twins traded for him in the uh in the Brzezinski deal. And listen, nobody thought Joe Nathan was great at that point. Uh yeah. you know, he he was he was promising, but nobody thought he was a dominant guy. Nobody thought he was an all star closer. And if you remember, guys, his first spring training with the Twins, he was throwing about 82 miles an hour. Uh he was throwing lollipops to the plate early in spring training and everybody's like what the hell is this? Why would you trade for this guy even if even if you want to get rid of AJ Perziki, Why would you trade for this guy? And the the lights came on and his first year with the Twins, he had a 1.62 ERA while breaking in as a closer. His ERA in his first 6 years of the Twins closer, 1.62. Two seven zero one five eight one eight eight one three three two one zero, and then two thousand eleven, he pitched hurt, and his his numbers went haywire. But for six years, and I remember a theme of my writing during those years was, "Hey, of course Mariano's the greatest." Right now, Joe Nathan
1: is as good as Mariano Rivera. Yep, I remember that run. And you look at Rivera; he was just as dominant. I mean, there was years though. Mariano Rivera had a two eight five ERA, two three four two seven four. Nathan was, like, just sick. Um, of course, Mariano Rivera was playing on some incredibly talented Yankees team, so he he got the 50 saves a couple times, you know, and 40. Ended up with 650 saves in his career. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think Joe deserves consideration. Um, and the remarkable thing is, too, he quit baseball for a while. I think he was yep. going to become a stockbroker and then had to write a letter to the Giants to beg them for another chance, and they gave him another chance. He warmed up to being a reliever. And then uh, he came to the Twins in a, one of the more lopsided trades ever, and, uh, and and ended up being thriving as a closer. So, um, so yeah, I voted for him, and I'll probably continue to vote for him because I, I think he had a career that's worthy of that. I've always, you know, I've always, I've always been willing to vote closers into the Hall. I mean, maybe I'm biased growing up in Chicago, but I, I was, I've been voting for Lee Smith when he was a candidate for all these years as well. I know it took an hour for him to walk in from the bullpen. Uh, (laughs) appearances, but I thought he was pretty damn effective once he got in the game. So um, they're a part of the game. Um, They're a key part of the game. I think we saw with the 2021 Twins what it looks like when you don't have a closer. (laughs) So uh, let's give these guys uh, their day in the sun as well.
2: Well, there's no question. I mean, the game created the position. I mean, people didn't create it on their own. They're, They're an important part of um, of every roster and they're an important part of most you know they're an important part of about you know 45 or 50 games every year and I mean and so they should you know they should be judged for how they did their job and and um, I don't think there's any there's any question that that Joe was was dominant what I really liked about him too is that when he that first year you're talking about um, when he, he wasn't throwing hard and then all of a sudden was, I mean, he, he started throwing hard as a closer and he had two pitches. It was fastball slider uh, when he, when he first started. And I remember vividly, I mean, it, you know, I thought, well, with the, 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 the velocity of movement on the fastball and the, and the trajectory, the tilt and the speed of his slider, that's enough. That's enough for a closer if you, if you don't walk people, which he didn't. But then later on his career, he developed a, a, a little curveball and a change-up, and he was, he was a four-pitch guy, you know, as a, as a closer, I I always appreciated that. I thought that was pretty pretty cool.
0: One moment I'll remember. I can't remember what year it was, but it was when Nathan was you know at his best, uh, having one of his great years, and I'm there. It must. It was probably me and Lavelle. I, we're in. Do you remember this, Lavelle? It's uh, St. Louis. Uh, Albert Pujols in his prime against Joe Nathan in his prime, winning run on tying and winning runs on base. If I remember correctly, uh, bottom of the ninth, Nathan on the mound, and it was like a twelve pitch at bat or something like that, and Nathan won it. And I just thought that was just one of those moments you live for as a uh, as a sports writer or a baseball writer. Nathan at his best, Pujols at his best, maybe yep. the best baseball town in America, and knowing that this at bat's going to decide everything.
1: Absolutely, I I I think you were covering the game, and I was like watching from afar. But I still remember that moment. Um, you know, Pujols one of the greatest right-handed swings ever, and, and versus Nathan, who was just as nasty and embraced a closing persona. It was just uh, it was just an awesome head-to-head matchup, man, and uh, one of many that Nathan succeeded in during his great career.
0: Roy, when you were in your during your career would you rather face somebody with one or two dominant pitches who use them almost exclusively, or would you rather face somebody who maybe didn't have quite as much stuff, but might throw anything at you? I, I like to eliminate
2: pitches, yeah, you know, and, and with uh, guy's got two, uh, then you can, uh, ge- you know, you can generally, you have more opportunity to eliminate the one you don't, you, you know, you don't want to hit. And, um, uh, so I, I, I mean, as good as, as guys like um, Goose Gossage were, I mean, it was fastball, breaking ball, but he wanted to, He wanted to punish you with his fastball. So you just, you know, you just went up there and, and looked for that one. And if you got if you got slider before you had two strikes, you took it. If you got it when you had two strikes, you did turn around and went and sat down. Um, but he w- he would generally throw you enough fastballs that you know that, and you had to hit one of them. And and um, uh, Eckersley was like that. Uh, you know, most of the closers that, uh, that I faced were, uh, were two pitch guys. There weren't a lot of guys that, you know, that, that went, went beyond that. And I, I think it would be, you know, it would be hard to, uh, you know, to face guys got three or four of them, especially if, if a couple of them are, are really big time. I mean, usually when a guy's got three or four, it's not that they are four average ones, He's probably got two really good ones and two that are that are decent. And uh, if he catches you looking for the, the two really nasty ones and throws you those other ones, it's it's tough.
0: Let's get a final thought from Roy <clears throat> Lavelle. Uh, you can it can be a topic on anything you want in the sports world or pop culture or what you're watching on TV or a movie you've seen, whatever you like. I do want to thank our producer Brandon Morton, our sales executive Karen Cleary? Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Again, best way to listen, subscribe at your favorite podcast app. Uh, Or you can always just go to TalkNorth.com, find the old shows, find the new shows, uh, and our lineup is great. We have Russo, LaPanta, uh, Roy Lavelle, John Krasinski, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, Cheryl Reeve, and we keep adding shows, Bar down Beauties. Uh, So thank you to everyone who has listened to TalkNorth.com and who has supported our sponsors. Again, sponsors for this show, Eleven Wells Distillery, Memorial Blood Centers, Minnesota Propane, Better Edge, And Pizza Luce, we'll have a couple of new sponsors to announce here in the near future as well. Uh, Let's let's let Roy wrap it up. So we'll go with uh, Lavelle as the
1: setup man. Uh, Your final thought on anything you like. Um, Well, you know, we're past New Year's Day now. And so historically, during my baseball writing career, it's always been a mental checkpoint for me. Because once I got to January, I knew that I was a month away from getting out of frozen Minnesota and down to Fort Myers to spring training. And just when I was thinking about that the other day, I realized that because of the lockout, we're not even sure when spring training is going to start or if the regular season is going to start on time. So it went from the mental checkpoint and has now just been totally trashed. And it brings me back to this lockout in which the last con- the last conversations between the players and owners about economic issues was December 2nd. And that's terrible. Um, they're letting this thing draw out when they don't have to. And they're waiting to the last second They're going to try to shove a bunch of things past and someone's going to be butthurt again over not getting their fair share of the deal. So it's just unfortunate. I mean, at this time we've had houses already um, requested and, and set up to stay in for spring train deposits set in that is not even happening. I mean, Mike Herman with the twins is pulling his hair out because he's trying to talk and talk to all these people who rent homes to twins players. Would you just wait? Cause they want their money now and they want their two month, commitment now and, like, just wait until we find out when the season's going to start. So thanks a lot, players and owners, for taking away my what used to be my soothing thoughts about getting past New Year's and looking ahead to Florida in springtime.
0: What Talk North would like to say about that is it's not at all about Lavelle, Roy.
2: Right? <laughs> 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 no, I got that. I got that loudly and clearly. It's, um, uh, But you know what? Uh, that kidding aside I'm, I'm with Lavella that's what I was going to say is that it, when it, my um, wedding anniversary is uh, is January 14th and uh, for the for my whole uh, baseball career once, once I got married after January 14th I started twitching to you know you know go to Florida we, that was back in the day when you know guys didn't have, you know, necessarily, you know, two houses and, you know, go, go to uh, have a place to go and work out and all that in Florida. So it was like, go down there early and find some place to live and, and uh, scratch out some workouts and get out of get out of the cold. But I look at, you know, get up today, it was 16 below or whatever the heck it was. And it, and I, I look out there and say, man, I need some baseball. I need, I need, even if it's just you know, to watch some green grass, uh, some guys running around on green, green grass. So I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed at the players and, and owners. I'm with Lavelle on, on that because they are messing with our psyche. There's they're planting weeds in our psyche. And it's they're, they're hard, they're hard to dig out, dig out of there this time of year in Minnesota. I'll tell you that.
0: That is so true. Uh, It is so true. Lavelle is going to go through the same thing I went through as a former baseball writer, moving to columnist. It's like, As a baseball writer, you go down there for like six weeks or maybe two months. I was probably down there for three months the year that there was a lockout. And it is quite a change of life to go from that to like popping in for a quick visit if we even get that this year. Uh, But you know what we're going to do here at Chin Music? We're going to keep rolling out baseball stories, baseball topics. We'll keep you updated on the labor stuff, but we're not going to spend all of our time on that. We're going to try to have some fun here, uh, give you warm thoughts, even if you don't have warm realities. So thank you to Lavelle E. Neal III. Thank you to Roy Somali, uh, Jim Suhan, and Brandon Morton. This is TalkNorth.com.